Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to talk about why do people live in fear? It's epidemic. It is running wild. We have everyone. This is so interesting when we talk about fear because people are living in fear and, and it's all, it's, it's not even like it's on one side. It's everybody yeah. with all their ideas, with everything that's going on. And so today we're going to look at it, but we're not just going to talk about why do people live in fear? We're also going to give you reasons why you should not live in fear. Yeah. Jesus, um, one of his most common phrases was fear, not fear, not over and, and over uh, again. I have a thought on that. You know, the disciples are in obedience to Jesus. They'd, uh, seeing him heal all manner of sick during the day, feed the 5,000, get in the boat. They're in the middle of uh, the Sea of Galilee, a lake. They're about three miles from either shore. It's midnight. Uh, there's a storm, and he's asleep in the boat. Right, This is where he comes walking on the water. And so what does he say to them? They, Why do you fear, you of little faith? I think about their fear. Is their fear real? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Their fear is real, but yeah, yeah. In, in, in the reality, their reality and their walk with commitment to Jesus, their fear, I believe, is totally unfounded. Yeah, because they already knew who God was. They've walked with him. History repeats itself over and over with them and with Jesus where he delivers them. And again, three words from his mouth, peace, be still. And what happens? Everything's groovy again. Even the wind and the seas obey him, they yeah, said, yes. right? Yeah, we, we, I think we all go through some of those things, you yeah. know. The, the, I think he would step up to us today, fear not, fear not, fear not, because he hasn't changed. Right. And uh, our fears are real, but I think a lot of, especially for those of us who love the Lord, I think our fears are mostly unfounded. Yeah, if you love the Lord, they're unfounded. And, uh, you know, it just kind of shows the relationship that you have with God when, if you live in fear. Yeah. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of boldness and a sound mind. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you finished that verse, Johnny. You're, you get a point. <laughs> I'm pl- I, I feel like I'm mentally plugged in today. I'm setting you up, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stump you publicly, you know, and, uh, uh you, I, I just lost the point. He got yeah, one. So yeah. he said one to nothing right now. I'm going to put an airbag under a seat with the button over here. All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to talk about this, and we're going to unfold it because the whole idea of the podcast is to point out pitfalls, but also, and that's just a a portion, but the most of this podcast is uh, to encourage you not to live in fear. Absolutely, That's that's what the majority of this is going to be. I know when I put this together, I told, well, when you came in, I said, I think you're going to really like this. I do. (laughs) He's got the gun loaded, folks. <laughs> it is good, good stuff. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. Brother, please open us. Father in heaven, make this uh, next 40 minutes or so profitable. Please use this for your honor and glory to edify and build up those who love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why do people live in fear today? You and I talked about this. You know, not all the time do we discuss what we're going to discuss because we want it as... as Some spontaneity. Yeah, we want spontaneity. We want it as pure as this, the whole thing can be and, uh, and not influence one another. Cause sometimes we sit down and you'll have an idea and I'll have an idea and boy, it just comes out really nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about this prior to, and these are the three things uh, that you came up with. And I thought, Oh my goodness, man, this is, this, this is it. These are the categories that fear the channels through which fear comes to us. Yes. So the things that we looked at was, Morally, financially, and persecution. Mm-hmm. So morally, we look at today's world is, in, in my opinion, and I, and I could be wrong, and this will probably make somebody mad, obviously. Today is the new Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, we're here. Yeah. Jude prophesied that in the last days it will be like Sodom and Gomorrah, Jude verse 7. And the cities about them in like manner, men with men, women with women, doing that which is unnatural. So we're here. But this is uh, the, the part we're presenting first is the, kind of the Christian fears. These are fe- things that I deal with and, and fears, not not paralyzing fear. But yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a, a homophobic fear. My fear of the new Sodom and Gomorrah is not the actions that they're doing. My fear of the new Sodom and Gomorrah 
is the actions that I'm not allowed to do anymore. Yeah, the silencing of the voice of God on moral issues. Yeah, taking my rights away. All of a sudden, they get a handful, and then we get a handful taken away. These are the fears that uh, if I don't say, uh, if I don't reference someone as they instead of he or she, I can be arrested for a hate crime. Yeah, yeah. I always like to stop and say anytime we're talking about the issue of sodomy, homosexuality, that I've had the privilege of leading several homosexual people to the Lord who've repented, mm -hmm. and they don't, no longer live that lifestyle and are living happily ever after married. Uh, they're dealing with same-sex sex attraction and handling it well. And, yeah, because uh, it's not saying it's not going to go away. It's just saying you need to discipline yourself and control it. Yeah, I have a desire to steal every uh, Harley Davidson I see, but so far <laughs> I've, I've restrained. I haven't lost the desire to do that, but uh, I've not been controlled by that either. <laughs> are you all right, Johnny? Yeah, but you know, there was a time I'm when I'm picturing you running off with a Harley before you started. <laughs> um, there was a time when the homosexual community was sort of in the closet, is the term that has has been used for for 30 years. Coming out of the closet is a very common tour, uh, term. But now, not only are they out of the closet, which is is, is fine, that's their life. They, they we all stand before God yep. for what we do. But now they're trying to put anybody who doesn't buy into their uh, worldview and their yep. agenda yep. that now they're putting us in the closet. They're accusing us of hate crime. And so that's where a little bit of the fear comes mm -hmm. in because, I, I mean, I really don't want to go to prison. Right. But I don't want to be silenced Well, and what, and what I've realized is, you know, they always said that, that they want equality, and now they have equality, right? I Insurance, think. marriage, all this stuff, right? But that's still not good enough. It's got to be control and punishment of everybody <clears throat> that's not yeah. kind of in, silence. In silence everyone that's not on our side. <laughs> so, so morally, the new Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what brings fear in. It's not, it's not the homophobe uh, part of it because I'm not homophobic. I don't fear the homosexuals. Uh, I fear what the far left in leadership are pushing on anyone that doesn't walk that line with them. Yeah, so that's the channel whereby a respect, a, a caution comes to me. <clears throat> I want to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. I'm not out on an anti-gay, kill them, grill them. You know, I, I, I just want them to know Jesus. I want heterosexual people to know Jesus. Right. I want homosexual people. So I like to always qualify that because the enemy always comes in when you oppose that, like you're, uh, like you're trying to hurt people, and that, that's not it at all. Right. Not it at all. Um, morally speaking, the new Sodom and Gomorrah, the second <clears throat> thing is political correctness. If you don't they, talk, they kind of dovetail together. They really do. If you don't talk the way we talk, then your talk is going to get punished. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes the same thing. And then the woke culture. <laughs> I'm working on that one. The woke culture. Now, here's a funny thing about the woke culture. If you happen to hear noise going on in the background, it's because uh, right below us, they uh, were in my office, and uh, and right below us, they're uh, installing new doors into the church. And so, any rate, they were really noisy in the beginning. So Duke and I said, hey, let's just go get lunch, and we're going to take— Wait it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait it out until the worst of the noise is over. And, uh, and so if you hear something, that's what it's going to be. Well, so any rate, we go to lunch. I have this habit— and, and Duke, you, you've seen you do it over and over again, and I love you for it, and I admire it, and I'm under conviction every time I see it So that I need to do it too. Every time we go out to eat, and I've been, I've, I do this, I've done it forever, not just with Duke and I, but with anybody, and I will typically buy somebody's lunch either in front of me or behind me. It's, it's a normal thing for me. I've seen you do it over and over again. So today we... <laughs> Dude, I can't even believe we're talking about this. This is so weird. So today we go to lunch and we go to early lunch and um, and I get there and I see a young lady in front of us. And so I walked around her and went up to the cash register to pay for her lunch and, and ours. <clears throat> she starts freaking out. The manager tells her he's buying your lunch she continues to freak out with now with this entitlement mentality and says, well, that's because he 
made me very uncomfortable because remember I said I went around her. Now, mind you, we all have our mask on. Everyone's social distancing with the exception that I did get probably within two feet of her to go around her, uh, two, maybe three feet, whatever it was to go around her to pay for her meal. The manager says he's, he's paying for your lunch. Well, he needs to because he's the one that made me feel uncomfortable. She freaks out, grabs her food, and storms out. And the, the three or four gals behind the counter watched that. They were, they were like, shocked. Like, yeah. this guy just bought your lunch, and you're yeah. freaking out? It was so weird. It weirded all of us out. It was sad. It was, it was sad. really sad because I'm thinking, what is she thinking? This guy just kind of stepped up. And she doesn't know what's going on, but you know. But it was made clear very quickly. Oh, the 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 cashier who knows knows Johnny well, and we're in and out of there all the time, and she's seen him do that over and over again as well. And she's like, "Ma'am, he paid for your lunch," and boy, it was. Yeah. So the woke culture, and that's what we're talking about, and it's it is responding. You made me uncomfortable. That's literally what she said. Those were her words. And because I made her uncomfortable, I owed her lunch. That's the way she looked at it. She gladly took the lunch and stormed out. Oh, yeah. It was so weird. I'm like, like, what's going on, Lord? That's that moral culture where people live in fear today. What an amazing example right before our eyes, right before we do the podcast. (laughs) Illustrations are gold. Yeah, literally, we just got back, had lunch, picked our teeth, make sure they were clean so we could sit down and do a podcast. That's how long ago it was. This is like 28 minutes ago. It really wasn't that long ago. And so morally speaking, I think the biggest fears in society are the new Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's because of the rights that we lose. Political correctness, because honestly, I can't keep up with all the terms. And then the woke culture, that entitlement mentality, uh, fear, uh, morally thinking that we're corrupt because we're not following all of their ideologies. You make me uncomfortable. Oh, God forbid. Is that a mortal sin now? I know. To buy somebody lunch? It was amazing, right? That was so weird. It's going to take me a while to process that. <laughs> it was amazing. I was, uh, standing, I was standing right next to her, you know, five, uh, six feet apart, and she was right there. I'm thinking, I know what Johnny's doing. He's buying her lunch. Boy, she's, she's so privileged. Like, yeah, she's, I was just waiting for her to break out like, oh, that's so nice, you know, and thank you. That's the nicest thing that's happened to me in forever. And, and whoa, it was shock or Yeah, exact opposite. Mm. It was absolute hate being spewed. And, and she was spewing it before I actually paid. So I could have retracted that and went, honey, you buy your own lunch. But I didn't do it because I want her to understand that her actions do not dictate my actions. And my intentions were to buy her lunch. And Which even, you did. And I did. I did not even back after, up. Even after being abused. Still did it. So, you know, hopefully she'll catch on to that, and maybe that'll help her. I'll tell you, the gals behind the counter who know you, seen this over and over again, they were shocked. But what a great testimony it was to those gals. And uh, I hope the gal gets indigestion. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my flesh, not the spirit. Well, you know, that or at least get a pepper stuck in her teeth and nobody tell her about it for the whole day. (laughs) And she walks around. Okay, now too much joy there. Okay, so that's morally speaking. Financially, people live in fear today uh, financially or for, for financial reasons. Inflation, taxes expenses for the illegals we're spending mass amounts of money on illegals to go to school for health care for everything else while americans are losing their buying power yeah they're losing their money's losing its uh value through inflation and you know we have this uh global economic reset that yeah. is they're pushing that of, in our face they're using covid and all of its uh trappings as a um, launch pad. Launch pad. Yeah. yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Mm, yeah. So financially, you know, people are struggling. But here's one of the most amazing things that I see. There's help wanted signs up in every door. Yeah. Unemployment went from 6% to 6.1%. All the while, almost every business in America has help wanted signs in the windows. Yep. 
the government to fix a problem only makes the problem worse. So what I'm finding about this this administration is, uh, and it's been there, listen, it's not just this administration. It is typical of all Democrat-run cities and states. Cities, everything. That every time that they get in control, and I hate, I'm sorry if you're a Democrat, I'm not slamming you because obviously you're not running the, the city or the state. And I don't believe it's anybody's intention that all this horrific things are happening. But no, I do believe it's well for the leadership, for the, the leadership, core, yeah. but there's not for the rank and file. I think most yeah. people don't. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, I agree with that. But you see every every city and every state that's Democrat run they have the mentality of Joe Biden where Joe Biden said, yes, we are spending our way out of debt. <laughs> you can't spend your way out of debt. Okay. And then every city that you know, that's Democrat run. Baltimore, Cleveland, Chicago, just Los keeps Angeles, getting flushed. San Francisco. It goes downhill, downhill, downhill. Look at, look at New York city. It used to be one oh of the, it goodness. used to be, a, I loved going down to the city. I yeah. go down to the city anywhere from two to 12 times a year. And now, it's not safe to go to the city. My wife, it's going to be a long time till she steps back in t into town. Well, and you have a friend that lives down there. And, Broadway. And he says... Apartments are open, empty. People are leaving the city in droves. People have the money and can afford it, you know, getting out of Dodge. You know, it's yeah. like... Shootings in uh, Times Square, yeah, which, is a, shot which is a huge... Uh, tourist area. Tourist area. Used to be. Mm -hmm. Now it's and empty. It's uh, kind of going back to uh, back to the ghetto. Yeah. I have uh, it happens so quick. Mm -hmm. I have a pastor friend of mine that lives down uh, in the cities in Queens and, or Rockaway or no Queens. And he said, because they put a new Krispy Kreme donuts down by Times Square. And so when they would go to get donuts, they, he said it would take them four hours and they would just make it a fun time, right? To go in, get donuts, get way. out. Now he drives his car right up to the front door, gets in a legit parking spot. And anybody that knows New York, there's a difference between legit parking spots and being double parked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And usually double parked happens way more than legit, right? Yep. But now he pulls right up to the front door, goes in, gets his donuts, gets back in the car, goes back home, half hour trip. He said, nobody's there. Yeah. You reap what you sow. There's, yeah. there's a loss. You know, you depravity that is not controlled by law enforcement will be in control soon mm -hmm. and drive law enforcement out. And then, you know, uh, defund the police, which they did. They did. And crime is spiraling out of control. Like, who, who does that surprise? Yep. Look at Chicago. The strictest gun laws in America, and yet the highest gun infractions of anywhere and of most places combined. And people in those rough neighborhoods ha are are controlled by fear. They can't even hardly leave the house. They yep. can't let their kids go out and play. Yep. It just, it's, but, it's and, just and they're not allowed to defend themselves. Yeah, it's the craziest thing ever. And defund the police. So we have this this whole fear thing that is permeating uh the city, people are afraid to go out. You know, I'm afraid to go to the city. And not that I'm afraid. It's just that I, I don't think it's wise. I don't yeah, think it's listen, expedience. There's uh, anxiety in going to the city right now. Yeah, yeah. In anybody, right? And uh, because, like, I, I mean, I have my uh, concealed carry permit. And typically, you'll not find me anywhere without it. But if I go to the city. Where you need it the most. Where I need it the most, I will go to prison if I take it into the city. And yet, right now, it's crimes off the chart and you actually need your you need something to protect yourself um in the city yeah so we see this fear that is intensifying mm -hmm. and you know satan has always used fear i think of uh, eve in the fall don't you know that the day that you eat there of your eyes will be open you'll be just like god knowing good and evil sets it up with yeah he's keeping it from you yeah god's <laughs> the bad guy here. He's, he's the bad guy here because he knows what'll yeah. happen he doesn't want you to have any fun he yeah. doesn't want you to know what's happening and so this this fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But when people do not fear the Lord, then they are controlled by other types of fears, fear of death. But, you know, categorically, especially in the world that we're living in now, uh, we're, we're afraid to stand morally. 
because of the the comeback against us, right. uh, hate crime, you know, biblical morality to speak out against it uh, or st- st- stand up for it, speak out against evil so that, is now a hate crime. That actually takes us to the third point. So the first one was morally, the second one was financially, and then the third fear that uh, people typically have today is persecution. Now, the biggest persecution today is on Christians, conservatives, and patriots. Yep. Yep. We're the deplorable bad guys. It's horrible, right? Yeah. And we are the horrible ones. Yeah. We have a different worldview. Yeah. You know, they're they're going to try to save the world through uh, climate uh, control. They're going to try to save the world by eliminating the carbon footprint. Uh, AOC has publicly said she chooses not to have children because she doesn't want to add to the carbon uh, footprint of this world. And she's practicing what she preaches. Yeah. I think what she yeah. preaches is I think insanity. That's a, I think that's a bigger blessing for us than her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one, one was enough, one and done. But there's a nerve sometimes when you figure out. But that's a fear-driven mentality. Yeah, it is. It's it a is. fear-driven, like, oh, no, we're going to destroy yeah. the planet. Yeah. And but those of us who have a different worldview, that Jesus knows that when he returns, the planet's going to need a, a bath. <laughs> well, and he, and he says children are a gift from him. And so we have two conflicting opposite right. worldviews. Right. It, but with the two conflicting opposite worldviews, as you just said, the crazy part about all this is the fear of morally, financially, and persecution exists on both sides. It sure does. Absolutely. So the far left or the left or whatever, wherever you're at, because uh, the truth is there's left and there's right. There's no middle ground. Middle's gray. We don't have gray. So the, the left has the same fears, only has nothing to do with God. It's all within themselves. The right has these fears, but they have these fears because they're being attacked or or it's coming on to them uh, because of their position in God. Yeah. And these two different worldviews, uh, polar opposites, but they all have the tenets of, of religion. Right. You know, we have the view that God is big, God is good, and God loves us. And they have a view that there is no God, and those who have their their values rooted in, in the bible personal relationship with the living god that we are the threat right because we're waiting for some some uh, historic figure to come from the cl- in the clouds to deliver us from all of this and they're saying well we live here we we're not de- waiting on anybody coming right. on a white horse to to deliver us from this it's just well, and, and fair, even, f- fairy tale to them yeah but so is Santa Claus, so is the Easter Bunny, so is the Tooth Fairy, so is all that. But all of that's an acceptable and taught fairy tale. But you put Jesus in the mix, and now you got an irate crowd. Yeah, they have no problem with UFOs coming and abducting aliens, abducting people. None, none, of, none of that fairy tale. Or, or yeah. hey, how about this? No problem with the fairy tale of we have this little, We first off, we have warm water, then an explosion, then this little whatever amoeba comes out of the water and then he grows a tail, then he grows legs, then he loses a tail, then he stands up, then he grows wings, then he falls out of a tree and then he becomes the professor down at SUNY. SUNY Albany, yeah. <laughs> Teaching biology. Teaching biology. <laughs> yes, that's science, John. Don't you, you're a science denier, huh? <laughs> I know, right? And so the, the, the crazy, and that's the crazy part. That's what I'm talking about. So fear on the left, they believe in all the crazy and they have the fear of the exact same thing that we have the fear of only theirs is based on themselves and ours is based on a biblical basis. That's if that makes sense. If they could only understand that all of this has been revealed through the Holy scriptures and the book that they mock, the book that they ban, the book that they fear will be one day, the very book they'll have to answer to. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's the book that they're they're that holds the answer to their questions. Yep. So what what I wanted to do, what Duke and I wanted to do, was take this part of the podcast and say, okay, guys, these are the fears that we see existing in the world today. And so, why do people live in fear? Morally, financially, and persecution, we see it on and, and health issues. I'd add that. Just yeah, health issues. Health issues. We yeah. share on that. And yeah. that's that's legit. That is very legit, right? Because uh, first off, how can we accomplish what we have to accomplish, or uh, how do we pay for all of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that one. 
That might show up in the news, uh, do you think? <laughs> so so there's there's various there's a lot of reasons and we just try to encompass all of them, but but now we're gonna switch gears. Because now we want you to see uh, we just gave you the world. Why do people live in fear today? It's very interesting that we didn't attach any verses to that. Right? But we're going to. <laughs> we're getting ready to attach verses. Because the fear is all about man. And and we don't need verses for that. You, everyone clearly sees it. Now we're going to look at what God does. So now we have to attach verses. So the truth can set us free. There you go. Another point, Johnny. Another point. Dang, I'm, I'm doing good today. You're on the winning side today. Yeah, but you're picking easy ones. All right, here we go. <laughs> you feeling sorry for me today? <laughs> After what we went through at lunch, you're like, I'll let him feel better about be nice to him, man. You deserve it, man. <laughs> I'll lift him up a little bit. <laughs> I, mean, I might even I might even hug your neck on the way out just oh, make you feel man. better. Right? I'll take that. Oh, my goodness. So here's the second part. Reasons why we should not live in fear, and I want to say this, this only applies to the children of God. So reasons why, as children of God, we should not live in fear. It's, uh, it's where we live. It's what we need. It, uh, especially because the fears are intensifying on both sides. On both sides. Uh, Christian people are, are watching what's going on in the news, trying to figure out prophetically what's going on. Uh, when will Jesus come and take us out of here? Uh, I want to be ready for whatever comes down the pike. Coming economic reset, what that's all about. The this uh, COVID thing. Now they're talking about COVID twenty twenty one. This vaccine and re up it in six months, and then another vaccine. They're getting ready to come vaccine. out with eighty nine more vaccines. Did it's you just, read that? Yeah, it's just it's just that's it's just like all of a sudden everything has changed. Eighty nine. We'll never go back to normal. And uh, there's a certain anxiety uh, that comes both to the believer and unbeliever on these things. So uh, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Yeah, and let me tell you, the world offers plenty of chances for fear. Sure do. (laughs) For everyone. So one of the most repeated commands in the Bible is... Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Guys, we're not to be afraid. We are not to be afraid. And so I put down here some biblical reasons not to be afraid. The first one is, and without this one, the rest are immaterial. I'll just be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. Because it only applies to these. Right. The first one, the first reason is you have to believe in God. You have to trust in God. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the first point. Yeah. You know, the Bible says Satan believes in God, but he doesn't trust in God. That's right. And so I, I remember all my life, I've always believed in God, but boy, I did not trust him. I, get, I think the reason I didn't trust him is because I didn't know him. Right. I didn't know the word of God. I didn't know what he had done throughout history. But, and you know how many times, how many times as a pastor, when you've talked to people and they'll, they'll throw an idea out there and, you, and they'll go, well, the Bible says, and they throw it out there and you go, the Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> God helps those who help himself, yeah. son. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to godliness. Stitching time is saves dying. It's not in the Bible yet. <laughs> That's so funny. But trust, you know, in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Knowledge him. And he'll direct your path. Yeah. But you know, I remember when that was just a Bible verse. I heard that mm-hmm. as a new believer and it was like that was a challenge. Right. But you know, now almost fifty years later. I lived that. I did trust God. I saw you and your uh, family come, two beautiful little girls come to New York, left behind a business, left behind your house, came up here with nothing, with uh, no real support, no job, because God called you here, and you had to trust him. Yeah, we were just dumb enough to believe he was going to do what he said. Well, we had experienced him a little bit along the way. Those first few years, he showed up, and the changes on the inside provided our needs to that point. I just figured if he met my needs the first six years, I think he's capable of meeting my needs the next six years. And, And he did. I put on Facebook, if we can trust God with our eternity, we need to trust him with our now. Yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. You know, and I think people get lost in that. Yeah, God can keep me way out there, but he can't do nothing for me today. It's like, come on, man. So the starting point is, without question, has to be trust in God. So here's the question. Do we 
trust God or not? And, and everyone's got to answer that for their own, for their own selves. I remember trusting God, uh, that Jesus is the savior of the world. And I put my faith and trust that Jesus paid for my sins. I can be saved by his grace, uh, by simply calling on his name, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I did that. And now, you know, I'm, I'm an 18 year old kid. I'm going to go to college in the fall. How am I going to pay the bills? I got a car that barely runs. What am I going to do with that? And I, Jobs were tough in our town at that time. It was a factory town. All the factories were shutting down, and people that had good jobs are now working penny-ante jobs. And so God said, I got you right where I want you. That's right. you got to start learning how to trust me. Well, that's exactly what he did with Gideon. Mm -hmm. He told Gideon, listen, you got 32,000 men? Ask how many is afraid, and those that are afraid send home. 22,000 men (laughs) immediately (laughs) departed and went home. And then he was like, oh, you got 10,000 left? That's still too many because they'll think they did this. So here's what you're going to do, Gideon. You're going to go down to the water. Those that lap like dogs, you're going to keep. Those who drink like horses, you're going to send home. All of a sudden, he's got 300 men. He's about to go into battle with 135,000 men with 300 men. And not only that, but God's like, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to carry a trumpet in one hand, and you're going to carry a torch. No sword? No the spear? Hand. No arrows? No weapons. Yeah. A, a trumpet and a torch for light, and you're going to march into the city. And by the way, if you're afraid, take Pura with you. And so then he says he takes Pura with him to hear what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden he is empowered by God, realize what's going on. And with 300 men, he's willing to go into war against 135,000 men because God said you win. Mm-hmm. Trust in the Lord. It made absolutely no sense, but he had experienced God along the way. He yep. had experienced God, the, the miracle of God with laying out the fleece. Yeah. He'd s- experienced the miracle of God as the fire came down to take the sacrifice. He kind of stood up for God, went up and removed the idols up on the hill at night. Yeah. He kind of did it at night. At night, yeah, but, but that was... I, he did the right thing. He's just like, kind of scared. I say he, that was exercising wisdom. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, it worked out like, okay. He's like, I'm not going to get the second bolt out. <laughs> so he's experiencing God there. That part worked. And then the, the water on the fleece, the water not on the fleece. Mm-hmm. And then they send the, the, uh, the uh, reps kind of into the camp to find out what they're actually yeah. saying. and. And they come back and said, yeah, God's going to bring us the victory. And, 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 they, he, and, he, march, and he marches forward, which, by the way, guys, if you're interested in where that's at, uh, go to Judges chapter 6, 7, and, uh, six and 7, a little bit in 8. It covers it. But, yeah. yeah I just read it yesterday. Gideon, man, right? Gideon's awesome. So trust in God. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture. So have a pen and paper ready because you will need this or want it. Do we trust in God or not? And I'm going to tell you, the psalmist, he got it right. Psalm 56.3, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Done. There you go. Done. It could be complicated, emotional, or it could be simple and sweet. Yep. Uh, Faith overcomes fear, Mark 4.40. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Faith overcomes fear. Remember, God is with us. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so God is with us. And by the way, he is our shepherd. Mm -hmm. And he takes care of his sheep. He will never forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's another one. Isaiah 12, 2. He is our salvation, our strength, and our defense. Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. We see God is there and he's everything that we need. Then I pulled up some other ones where it clearly tells us not to be afraid. And I'm telling you, scripture throughout uh, that we should not be afraid based on our trust in the Lord. And now that's the key. So many people, they want what God has to offer, but they don't want to have that relationship with God and they don't trust in God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... um... I think of something that's kind of coming to me on a regular basis from friends all over the world, uh, 
through uh, social media, I'm getting the question about, you know, how bad might it get before Christ returns? We know Galatians 1.4, Jesus Christ will return to deliver us from this present evil world. But we, what we do not know is how evil the world might get until he comes. You know, the early church was persecuted. Persecution has been part of the, the church of Jesus Forever, Since the beginning, the beginning, and uh, there were harsh seasons of, of of persecution, but it was said of the church later, about the time of the Protestant Reformation, that the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. The church has always done well; it's it's expanded, it's grown, even in times of persecution. And I think those days are sort of back. Uh, yeah. Pastor was arrested in Canada last week for preaching the gospel. Arthur? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they call it Arthur. He was but only in jail it. 48 hours. They got him out. Yeah, but, but did you hear what they did to him while he was in jail? I did not. Put him in a cell all by himself. Him and his brother both, they put in separate cells, separate cells by themselves, turned on the lights on super, super bright, didn't give him a pillow, didn't give him a blanket, made him sit on the concrete floor and never turned the lights off. Man cruelty that's that's all it was was torture yeah so when when people are bringing this question to me that i cannot answer how how bad might it be before he comes to deliver us will we be persecuted well i I don't know the answer to that i know god's grace would be sufficient but the verse that just comforts me most is david who who was no uh, stranger to trial and battles and up against insurmountable odds uh, giant as a, uh, as a as a young boy, young man, he faces the giant. But David wrote this, and it wasn't David; it was the Holy Spirit that wrote it through David. And who had lived this? He said, "I've been young, and I now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed." That's our kids and grandkids. That's what begging I'm most concerned. Begging bread. When you know that, what that a little what friend, a reassurance! You know the greatest reassurance that any of us can get. Is it like, oh, we heard good news out of uh, economic news. Oh, we'll be okay. That That's not the good news. It could be. It could be good. It could be bad. But but the news that always carries people through. Remember, Moses was afraid to go to Egypt, and the Lord said, I'll be with you. Joshua was sort of afraid to try to cross that, the Jordan River. To These are, these are armed and dangerous, and many of them were giants that they were going to face when they crossed over. And the Lord said, I'll be with you. And each time, Gideon. Lord said, yeah, I'll be with I'll you. Victory's in your hand. Now, I remember that people say, would say to me, well, the Lord will be with you, Duke. And that meant nothing to me because I didn't know the Lord. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I do know the Lord, right. that's what comforts me. Because now you know. I, he's been faithful. Uh, I think it was that one of the early church fathers, um, Polycarp, who was martyred. He didn't I remember what he said. love the story of Polycarp. You want to share it? Uh, so they come to arrest him. Yeah. And he is he knows they're coming. It's about 120 AD if I'm... Yeah, somewhere around there. 110, yeah. 120 AD. Yep. So they're, they're coming to arrest him, the soldiers, and he says, I know you're coming to arrest me. I know you're going to take me. I'm going to die. But before you take me, can I prepare you a meal? <laughs> Sets down, prepares them a meal, and shares Jesus with them as they're eating, and he's preparing the meal for them. And he's preparing to die. As he, yeah, he, knows, he, he knows once he leaves his house, he's dead. They agree to it and let him prepare the meal, and they, he feeds them, shares the, Jesus with them. Now, the meal's over, they start taking him out, and all the soldiers all of a sudden feel really bad that they got to do what they got to do. Some got saved. As they're walking to the stake that he is going to be tied to and burned. It says that his complexion never changed. He never lost color. There was no fear in him. As he, as he's walking to that, they tie him up to the stake and he won't burn. He won't burn. They finally have to stab him and kill him because the fire won't consume him. But I can't remember his exact words. I hope I get this right. But his final words as they is he's going to give his life for Jesus. Mm-hmm. He said, I've known him and walked with him many years. He's never been unfaithful to me. And he goes, it's my greatest honor to put my life down for him. And he did it with joy. He did it with no fear. No, 
no fear because they said that his when you read about Polycarp, it says that his his demeanor yeah. and his complexion never changed. He listen. He walked up onto that pile of wood and stood at the stake. And said, "You don't even need to tie me up." That's that's the amazing <laughs> grace yeah. of the living God yeah. moving in the children of obedience. It's because he trusts God. Yeah. That was yeah. the whole thing. He trusted God. And that's what God wants yeah. for all of us to do. To know him yeah. more is to trust him more. Yeah. And the more you know the Lord, the easier it is to trust him. Well, and, I, w- I want to read some of these verses that that literally remind us of why we don't need to be afraid as Christians. Amen. Deuteronomy 31.8, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? My goodness. Dude, I love, I love reading those parts. Sorry. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 118, 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Mm. Man, I'm telling you guys, what can man do to us but send us home, uh, send us to the Lord, promote us? I'm, I'm in. Heaven's not that scary, is it? Right. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And then he goes on. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you as my righteous right hand. I will, I will, I will. Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God is showing how he keeps us in his hand. Mm-hmm. He and he alone is the only one that can destroy both. He's got the whole, the whole world, world in his hands. hands. I can't say that. <laughs> John. You, you just proved that, John. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. All right. Here we go. It's true. I know what I, I know. I can't either. I'm not, oh, I'm not boarding over here, man. I'm just, you know, <laughs> misery loves company, dude. <laughs> But he does he have does. the whole world He's, in his hands. He does. So. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. There is a clear, distinct difference between what God has to offer and what the world or man has to offer. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded, and I love this passage, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you and I from our Lord. Nothing, nothing. Did, did, did we make that clear? Uh, Nothing. Second <laughs> Timothy one seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now I know sometimes it doesn't look like some got that gift, but <laughs> that sound mind. But you know everybody did. Don't focus on the fear. There's the next one. So the first one was trust in God. The second one is don't focus on the fear. We've heard it over and over and over and over again. Thoughts are things, and we choose what we dwell on. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, stayed on fo- thee. Yeah, focus is stayed on yep. thee. And yep. I, I know sometimes as I'm going through some of the more anxious times of my life, God puts things in front of me that are over my head, yep. and I don't know exactly what to do, and I always like to be sort of in control and like to be the man and yeah. step up, and <laughs> Pastor Duke's so cool, you know, and he knows what to do, and, and a lot of times I don't. Right. But, but those are good times mm-hmm. because I don't have right. to freak out. I just draw nigh. I say, Lord, you're big, you're good, you love me. You put me here. You're with me. 
I don't know what to do. And just walk in that. And just show me. Yeah. And yeah. he does. Yeah. He does. And then that peace comes. I'm not, I, I've learned over the years, a lot of times there's an anxiety over situations that the anxiety was way worse than the reality of the situation. <laughs> right. I don't think I was trusting in the Lord as much as I could have. Right. And I had anxieties. They were unfounded. They were real. Right. But they were unfounded. Yeah, they were. Usually they are. Uh, you know, the majority of what we worry about never comes to fruition. So we choose what we dwell on. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report... If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. God's being emphatic here. He's like, I have so much to offer you. If you will just do what I say, focus on me. Think of the great things I've done in the past. I'm with you. Okay. Well, it sinks in and peace comes. And then verse 9 says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Yeah, baby. If you just listen, it's so much better. You know, we interpret God a lot of times through the circumstances, and I think really we should interpret our circumstances through God. Through God. Quick illustration. We moved to New York. We spend our first night here. We have hardly any furniture. Joanne's six months pregnant. She's sleeping on the couch. I'm sleeping on the hardwood floor with a couple pillows underneath me. And my faith went right out the window. I, I literally curled up into, I, I started crying. Joanne was asleep. She didn't know I did this. I started crying and I'm like, I, I moved my wife. I left a really good job in Missouri. I came to New York. I don't know one person here. I have no money. I have no job. We spent half our money to, on this old car just to get it to make it to New York. She's asleep. I'm there on the laying there on the floor, totally freaking out. Like my faith went right out the window. I was crying. What have I done? I got no job. I got no money. I've got no health insurance. My wife is pregnant. I'm going to start a church. How do you start a church right. with no money? And I'm laying there, and uh, I, I literally cried myself to sleep. But in the morning. I had peace. Amen. In the morning, I, I, I did what that scripture said. I said, I, I, I thought of those things that which are honest and just. And I realized God's with me. God called me. I prayed. There were supernatural doors open just to get us here. I have needs now that, that I can't see. I don't know how that's going to work out. But I had peace in the morning. I didn't tell Joan how I freaked out <laughs> behind her back <laughs> well, and, the night and before. The cool thing is God's promises are new every day. Ah, yes, they are. And and uh, that morning I, I had peace. Now I'm still facing things insurmountable, but I just had that sense that it's his problem, not mine. Yeah. I'm his kid. Yeah. He loves me. And that relationship. Yeah, and, and he sent you there, so therefore he's responsible for you. Yeah, right? yeah. And that, I, I, those exact words that went through my mind that morning and then, and the Lord, I looked to the Lord and said, you, you got this. So uh, please forgive me for being stupid last night. Yeah. Said, yeah I, I you're going to, you. you're going to love this verse. First John four, four, because this is what we always have to remember exactly what you were talking about. You are of God, little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Mm -hmm. Then we have to choose to praise the Lord. Psalm 147, one. Guys, if you, it's real hard to be down and out when you're praising Jesus. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. It's kind of like you can praise your way through anything. You really can. Psalm 147.1, praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and praises is beautiful. What we really find out is praise is actually the antidote to fear. Habakkuk, and this is what I love. Now, before this happened, Duke and I got into a discussion. I was calling his name wrong. <laughs> he was calling it. Johnny got on my case. <laughs> he didn't want me to look stupid on a podcast. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. I've already been saying it wrong for 49 years, John. Oh, my goodness. So, so what do you do? You take us online. You take us to a, a Hebrew <laughs> expert for pronunciation. And, uh, I, <laughs> I stand corrected, Okay. <laughs> I did because I am. Um, I get jacked up on pronunciations and definitions, and so Duke calls it Habakkuk, and I go, "You didn't just call that Habakkuk." I did. 
49 years <laughs> habit. Yeah, and it's called, I'm surprised nobody's called you out on that before. But I never had access to Hebrew proper pronunciation until the computer age. Yeah, so I took him in. I go, I go. He cheated. He went on. I said, look, it's Habakkuk. Look, there's a double K, not double a double K. B. So you can't, Habakkuk needs a double B. This is true. Habakkuk needs a double K. <laughs> So I go in, I go, look, I'm going to show you right now. And I type it in and then I click it and it goes Habakkuk. And dude goes, where'd that come from? <laughs> so in Habakkuk, and I have to be careful because I'll call it Habakkuk now just because it's funny. Uh, Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19. Uh, this is so cool. So I'm going to read this, but and you need to hear it. Listen to this. When I heard my body trembled, my, and because he's, he, the enemies are coming and he knows they're coming. So this is his response to the enemy showing up. Yeah. This is life and death here. This is life and death. When I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Let me break this down to you, what just happened. Verse 16 he acknowledges that difficult times could be on the way. Like, oh my goodness, it's, it's coming to my door. Verse 17, he purposed to praise the Lord. He literally purposed in his heart that he's going to praise the Lord. Verse 18, he is now focused on the Lord's power and the Lord's promise. And then in verse 19, he ends his book or his letter on a note praising to the Lord. That is a divine outline, a sequence of if we do this, it'll lead to this, it'll lead to this, and you'll be fine. It, here's fear. I acknowledge the fear. I purpose in my heart that, that God is good and going to take care of it. I purpose in my heart I'm going to praise the Lord, and then I'm focused on the Lord's power and the promises, and then I praise the Lord. You know, as you're reading through that, uh, my, the Spirit's taken my mind back to probably the hardest moment of my life. Uh, we lost a grandson, a full-term stillborn. I'm in a auto repair uh, shop at the dealership getting uh, something done, the seat repaired. It was on, under warranty. And I got news, uh, a text from my son. Uh, we lost we lost the baby whatever. And I, I had baby chicks, and I, he was taking care of them for me a while. And I thought, oh, the baby chicks, you know, a fox got in, a raccoon got And then I read the text again. It wasn't the baby chicks. It, it was my grandson, Caleb Michael Herget. And I'm sitting in a, in a room with about 16 people. I was telling stories as a little three-year-old, and I just want to scream in agony. And I got to, like, hold this in. And uh, I, I, my wife's at work. What do I do? I don't, I, I don't know where they're at, what hospital. I'm just I'm just... And they fixed it, and I got in the car. I'm driving home up, uh, those of us in the capital region, the, the Northway, at Route 87 North from Albany, I'm on, the, on the Northway. It was raining, something that Noah would have been impressed with. And cars were pulled off the road. I just had gone about 10 miles an hour. I just, just kind of could see the white line barely. And as I was going up, up the Northway, 10 miles an hour in this deluge, I began to praise the Lord. I was crying, and I, I, I was screaming. I was screaming, God, you are awesome, yeah. and I praise you, and our hearts are breaking, and my son's heart's broken, yeah. and I can't fix it, and I'm a dad, and I want to fix it, and I, I don't know how to, I don't know, but God, you're big, you're good, you love us, you're, you're awesome, and you know what you're doing, and all things work together for good. I was quoting scriptures to him, and I was praising him at the top of my lungs. If somebody was maybe driving by or just could see me inside, they think, this guy's gone completely mad, but God was giving me peace. Yeah. It passeth all understanding. And I and that that went on for like ten minutes. And normally it would be about a twenty minute drive to get home. It was like thirty five. But I got up and came into my office. Um Pastor Matt was there. 
uh, he was our, had become our lead pastor and he just, he had heard what had happened and we just collapsed into one another's arms and we just bowed and we just praised God. Yeah. We didn't ask God for anything. We just praised him. We know in eternity, Caleb Michaels, he's screwing in heaven. He's, he's got so many people in heaven that he's related to There's a lot better people down here. Right. And he, he, uh, he sustained us, not only Amen. me, but our, my, my wife, my, my daughter-in-law lost her first baby and they've had three beautiful children since. And, uh, they're up to here, but, uh, our, our greatest family, uh, we get together with family, all the holidays, all the birthdays, we always do together and we always bring up Caleb yeah. and, uh, he'll only miss out on a few parties for a few years and he'll be part of that. And our greatest joy in heaven outside of meeting Jesus will be to have, uh, Caleb joining our, our Amen. family things. And so this, this hey, really does work. This isn't some kind of philosophy or, you know, uh, uh, psychology. But, but, can, but can you imagine what people go through that don't have the promise of Jesus? Oh, no, I, 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 I don't even know how they can do it. I, I, I don't. I want you to see here that God's promised his children a future. Uh, we should not worry about tomorrow. Matthew six thirty four. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The other thing that God promises is to meet every need that his children have, Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many of the needs, Johnny? I think it said all. Yeah, yeah. And you know how many all is? Uh, all. all? <laughs> I say all is all, and that's all all is, right? All <laughs> means all, and that's all all means. Uh, God will accomplish his work in us, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The trials are part of that process, aren't they? It is. Our response to God is really going to dictate whether we get the peace of God that passeth understanding. Yeah, right? And then we have an inheritance First Philippians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The interesting word about uh, here in verse 5 that says, who are kept. That literally means God is constantly preserving it. It's not like he put it on the shelf and said, hey, uh, that'll be for when they get here. No, 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 no. It is kept. It is constantly being preserved and Present manicured and, and always ready so that when we do get there, it is the best that it could ever be. There's, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he, is, he guards it. He protects it. He keeps it. He, that, that's literally what that word kept means is guarded, guards and protects it. Yeah. He's engaged yes. in our lives. He knows what he allows to come into our lives. He knew the world that we would be born into. And our world has changed so much, especially I'm, I'm 67 years old. Oh, it's nothing like it's, it's not, my grandkids aren't coming up in the, at all the world no. I grew up in. And I, I, I'm glad I got to grow up in my world. I, you and me both, man. Right. I mean, I remember drinking out of the water hose, going down to the creek and catching crawdads and tadpoles and playing in the mud and going outside and seatbelts right. <laughs> in cars. Here's the seatbelt. <laughs> I'm, I'm the back of the pickup truck. You know what a seatbelt was? Right. A tire. <laughs> you sit in the middle of the tire to help you from sliding back oh, and forth. Man, you know? listen, our parents would put us up on the dash when we were just toddler, yeah. little babies. Right? It, it's so crazy. We have an inheritance, Luke twelve thirty two. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Mm. Not just a blessing, the kingdom. That's a little bit more than just getting us through, isn't it? It is. It is. God's like, look, look your, your inheritance is my home. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither entered the heart of man, the wonderful things God has prepared for them, the love. Yeah. It's going to get better. So here you go. And then the last thing that we needed to do, because uh, we talked about the first thing that we got to do is trust in God. The second thing is don't focus on the fear. The third thing is God has promised his children a future. 
The fourth thing is, and the last thing here, is fight the temptation to fear. You, you have to discipline yourself in this. How many times that you don't go and open the closet door or look under the bed because you think the monster's there? Mm-hmm. And you got to fight yourself to go, okay, when I put my foot on the floor, nothing's going to grab it. <laughs> you know? When I'm in, in those moments of uh, anxiety, I'll write down, here's what I'm feeling. And then what does God's word say? And it turns out my emotions are lies and God's promises are real. Yes. And I, so I'll write it down. And when I write down what I'm feeling, well, everything's going to get worse and nobody believed this and it's going to get, and, and it's just all Satan's lies. That's all it is. And then I take God's promises and then the fear goes away and yep. we walk in victory. So fight the temptation to fear. And I'm, I'm going to point out two things and then we're going to be done here with this podcast. Number one, faith overcomes fear of any kind. And I want you to look in Ephesians 6, 11 through 16. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of what I just said, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all All things, above all, the most important thing that you can do is taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Yeah. So evil day and it's here. Faith overcomes fear. Ephesians 6, 16 says above all, the most important thing you have is your faith. And if you have your faith and you take the shield of faith, which literally means that taking the shield of faith is a, is a constant action, never ends. You carry it everywhere you go. You'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. The picture here is back in, the, in those days when they would use their shield to block the arrows that were on fire that they would shoot at them, they would, have, they would be metal or wood, the shield would be, and it would be covered in leather. And that leather, they would soak it or like a heavy, heavy sackcloth, several layers of it, and they would soak it in water so that when the, when the arrows would hit that shield, the, the moisture from the leather or from the sackcloth would put out the fire. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so when he says here, having uh, in 16, above all, you're taking your faith, right? The shield of faith, so that as you hold it up, it is saturated in the Holy Spirit, so that when the enemy throws fiery darts at you, the wicked one, you bring up your shield of faith, and the Holy Spirit will drown out the fire. Hallelujah. I didn't know that part about the leather. And the... Yes. Isn't that not the... Dude, now you understand why he says that, because that is applicable to us today as the Holy Spirit would be, they would drown out in the truth of the Holy Spirit. So here we go. The next thing, so faith overcomes fear. And then the final thing is fighting temptation always brings good results. Proverbs three twenty four. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. sweet. <laughs> we're just going to praise and trust our way through anything aren't we fighting temptation when you fight it and you fight it these are your good results man you will pillow your head well at night the hardest times bring forth the greatest people amen or sometimes they expose the weakest people too yeah right but god promises all through so so let me just say this if you are walking in fear today if you have fear today i understand it we get it you know morally financially and persecution and both sides are feeling this those that don't know god and those that do know god but i will also tell you this that only those that do know god can live in the promises that we just read and only those that know god that when you lie down you'll not be afraid you'll lie down and your sleep will be 
Sweet. Sweet. That is a promise of God. But if you don't trust him first and foremost, and you don't keep your shield of faith, you are going to struggle. And so if you're struggling walking in your faith, listen, stop, pray, read, research, look at the word of God, and then stop, pray, read, research, and look at the word of God again, and do it again, and again, and again. And eventually what will happen is you will be so spiritually fit that nothing will penetrate you. Mm -hmm. Amen, amen. And that's the recipe. So, hey, guys, I hope that this has helped you. And if it has, then I hope you like, share, subscribe, and follow. And encourage someone else with this because there are more people afraid than we know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially today. Great truths, Johnny. Love being part of the team. Amen. Brother, I love you. Thank you for always being here. And, um, hey, guys, until next week, God bless. 